Our study today is called On Your Side. How many of you like knowing that God is on your side? Yeah? It's helpful, right? It's encouraging. It gives you strength. It gives you just some sense that you're not alone, that you don't have to go do stuff on your own, that there's always someone you could rely on and depend on, right? On your side. And I know there's a lot of, like, encouraging Christian messages that are out there. First slide. And when we talk about God being on our side, we might have all these different ideas of what that looks like. What does it look like to have God on your side? Okay? You have all these different ideas about your relationship with God. Cultural Christian cult mentality. Okay, cult mentality, because we all say, God is awesome and he's on my side and I'm going to use God so that I advance. I'm going to use God so that I will succeed in this world. I'm going to use God so I look good in front of other people and they can't say anything about me because I am really my own God. It's a cult mentality. We use God's name and we drag it into the dirt. I say we drag his name into the dirt because we use God to glorify ourselves a lot of the time. And these are well-meaning Christians. That's okay. Like, we have to start somewhere, okay? Just like my newborn baby. Beautiful baby boy. Greedy and selfish like you wouldn't believe. All right? He cries out and he cries out and he expects mommy and daddy to drop everything to look at him. Pick me up. Change my diaper. Feed me. I need to burp. You know, all these different things. He's not talking, but he cries out and he expects us to be there right by his side to help him feel comfortable because he can't do anything on his own yet. Sometimes I think we treat God like that, like we're a bunch of newborn babies. We are greedy and self-centered, and that's all that it's about. And the ideas that we have about our relationship with God, when I'm in trouble, when I can't do things anymore, I'm going to cry out to God, and he's going to come right to my side. And it's about God coming to my side. It's about God being my help. You've heard that one, yeah? I'm guilty of it. I, I look at God that way too. When I'm in trouble, I cry out to him, and I know he's going to be there for me. There's nothing wrong with that. He's my loving father, and I'm just his bratty young kid, okay? And God wants to do that for you. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to depend on him, but what's this about calling God to come into our situation to help us out with what we're doing? When we pray to God, are we asking him to join us in our mission? Like we got it flipped. When we pray to God, it's not about him coming to us. When we pray to God, it's about us going to him. Instead of expecting God to come join us down in the dirt and the filth of this world, into our evil desires, we should be coming alongside God and coming to his side. So when we talk about God on my side, we're talking about our position in relation to God. Where are you, God? God might be wondering, where are you, my child? My kids, man. My eldest one is nine. Daddy! Daddy! 
excuse me? He's yelling out daddy across the house. Who's the dad? Me. I'm the dad. And he's expecting me to run over to where he is, and I'm thinking something's wrong. Daddy, where's my water? What? You have a water bottle. You know how to pour water yourself. Go get your water. Why are you calling me and disturbing me to come to you to serve you? I love you, but there's no way I'm going to let my nine-year-old treat everybody like a slave. He's a good kid, and he's still learning. I'm not bad-mouthing my son. I love him, and he's still got a lot to learn. But just like my nine-year-old son, I think a lot of us Christians behave like that. God, I want this job. God, I want that girl. God, I want better things. I need more money. I want to go on vacation. God, and we treat him like Santa Claus or like a genie. And we go to him and we cry out, I'm so tired, God, I just want a break. And what got us tired in the first place? We were doing stuff on our own. We were relying on ourselves. We could have been walking with God that entire time. Pray without ceasing. You know, it's like, um, why do you run out of steam? Have you ever tried driving a car and there was no more gas in it? Yeah. Or maybe you were riding in a car and you saw that there was no more gas and the, the light goes on. And you know you got a long way to travel. And you see the guy up front and he's just singing his songs. He doesn't even pay attention that that light's almost down. Man, it sucks. Just that feeling, you're waiting, you just know that at any moment you're going to get stuck and you're not going anywhere anymore. Isn't that what a Christian walk is like? Just what life is like. We try to do things. We get up in the morning. We, we go to our jobs if we're, we're blessed to have one. We receive our paycheck if we're blessed enough to get one. You know? And we go through that same routine. We work, we make money, and then we pay bills if we feel the bills are necessary to pay. And then we pay our taxes if we're not frauding the government. You know, it's like we, we do all these things, but we're doing everything in our own strength, in our own power, and it's just, eventually, you start to feel like, man, this isn't what I, this isn't life, this isn't living. I'm running on empty. I, I feel stuck, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. So what do you do when you feel stuck? Oh God, I'm so sorry, I've been ignoring you. You know, if I just went to church, maybe, or maybe if I went to Bible study, maybe if I helped that person when they asked for help, maybe I won't be so miserable. And we cry out to God when we're stuck, like a bratty newborn baby. He thinks you're beautiful, he loves you, but he's like, oh, my child, you have so much to learn. Remember Jesus, when he walked this earth, he had a few disciples. He handpicked a few of his disciples, and he said, come, follow me. And the few that were brave enough to come follow him, their stories told in the Bible. Now, these young guys, they all come up to Jesus, and they're just like, you know what? We see you praying to God, you know? Could you teach us to pray, you know, pray, how to pray like you, how to pray like John the Baptist? You know, how, how do we pray like that? And Jesus taught them, and he taught them in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 9 to 13. Now, this is prayer. 
what he was teaching them was how to pray. He wasn't teaching them some liturgy. He wasn't teaching them a poem that they needed to memorize because there's no power in the, the poem itself. Jesus is teaching them the way. How do we pray? Let, we're going to dissect this prayer just a little bit. And, you know, we're at the end of this new, we're at the end of 2019. We're about to enter into a new year, okay? And I know this is a time, a new decade, man. Thanks for pointing that out. It makes us feel older. You know, and here we go, because uh, it's usually at this time of year where we reassess things. Um, how much did I accomplish in 2019? You know, um, how badly did I fail in meeting my goals? You know, what, what do I have to do different next year? And we reassess life and we take account of certain things. Let me ask you a question before we go into this. How many of you feel that you had a pretty good prayer life this year? Pretty good. Not perfect. You're like, yeah, I, I prayed a little bit more. Yeah? Okay. How many of you tried, you, you really tried a little bit more to have a better prayer life or devotional time this year? Okay. How many of you feel you want to try to have a better relationship with God next year? Okay. How many of you want to learn how to pray? It's not a scary thing. How many of you want to learn how to pray the way Jesus taught you to pray? Why not? He's teacher. I'm following him. Okay, I, I don't want to look anywhere else. This guy says you should pray like this. That girl says you should pray like this. The formulas, like we're looking for formulas. Like we're going to God and we're asking for math. You know, give me a, a, a formula of how I'm supposed to pray to God. You know what? It's the spirit in which we pray. And it's the heart that we come with that God cares about. He doesn't care about the motions that you go through. He doesn't care that you said it in the right order, you know. Thank you. Um, did I thank him? You know. Um, what are the other ones? Ask. Acts. A-C-T-S. Some people say this. What's the A? Adoration. You praise God first. Make sure you praise him first. Okay. Uh, what's the C? Confession. Oh, you got to confess your sins before you could get anything from God. And then what's T? Thanksgiving, right? Um, I could be thankful because I confess my sin and I trust that he's forgiven me, you know. Or I'm thankful for what I have. So I, I adore God, acknowledging him. I've confessed my sins, so clearing myself of all that. I have uh, thanked him. And what's the last one? Supplication. That's asking God for what you need. Sure, those elements are there, but we treat it like this formula. And it's just a checklist. So as long as I go through the motions of acts, then I got it all covered. And I could walk away from my prayer um, feeling like, okay, because I prayed this way, then God's going to hear my prayer. Do you believe God hears your prayer anyway? Yeah, like no matter how you come to him, do you believe that he knows what's on your heart? Yeah. And because he knows what's on your heart, he knows whether you're coming to him with it or if you're still trusting yourself with it, Hey. Okay? Let's get real about this, guys. So Jesus teaches them to, how to pray. And he says, listen, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites that show, look at me, I pray to God, I have a good relationship with him, I'm, I'm so high and mighty and I'm rich. So if you want to be rich like me, you're going to pray to God and give your money to the temple. Give your offerings and God will make you rich like me and successful. 
He says, don't be like those hypocrites out on the street. Instead, go in secret. Your prayer with God is secret. Okay? Go into a room, hide yourself away, and just lift up your heart to God. That's it. Just talk to him. And this is the model in how Jesus taught it. Not liturgy, but a model. When you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Acknowledging him as holy, set apart, that there's no one like him. There's no other God but him. You shall have no other gods before me. So when you come to God in prayer, you're acknowledging, I have no other gods. You are the one that I'm talking to. You're the one that I'm looking to. I set my heart on you. Hallowed be your name. I'm not going to take your name, God. I'm not going to take your name and drag it down into the dirt. I'm not going to take your name in vain and try to glorify myself. I come to you, God, for your glory and your honor. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The next line. Your kingdom come. Let's just stop there. Your kingdom come. What does it mean? How many of you know this prayer? How many of you have heard it before? Even if you're not spiritual, you've heard this before. It's in the movies, right? With the demons and stuff. <laughs> and we hear these words and we don't know what it means. We just know it as liturgy. We don't know the, the power that's in this model of prayer. Your kingdom come. You're acknowledging God and then you say your kingdom come. You are king. And your rule and your reign, you are supreme above all things. Your kingdom come. You are calling on the forces of heaven, okay, to be shining down over this. You're coming into the presence of God. You're the one coming alongside God saying, your kingdom come. You rule, you reign over my life. My Father God, you are holy. You rule and you reign in my life. I have no other gods but you. Your kingdom come. Have dominion over me. Because it's in his kingdom that he supplies everything to everybody subjected to his kingdom. He cares for everyone in his kingdom. He provides their every need. He hears their cries and their pleas. Your kingdom come. And it's not just the benefits of his kingdom that you're asking for. In the same breath, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. This was Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but yours be done. I have my concerns. I, I have my fears. I have my doubts, my anxieties. And I'm coming to you, God, but not my will be done. Yours be done, Lord God. Help me be humble enough to accept your will. Help me be vulnerable enough to trust you. I lay down my pride, and I'm trusting you, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you think of heaven as opposed to earth, as opposed to the world, you might, think, you might see that there are some major differences. In heaven, there is still order and unity and beauty and just God's glory all over the place, right? There's nobody opposing God in heaven. 
When we say your kingdom come, may your kingdom be the last kingdom standing. When all this world fades and passes away, when everything I've trusted in in this world is gone, may your light still be shining in this dark place, Lord God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to settle for nothing here in this world. Never settle. You know, in the world they say, never settle. And then you go out there and you try to work really hard to make more money and make something of yourself. When God says never settle, it's different. He says, come to me and rest with me. Don't settle and be satisfied with these lesser things of this world. When you come alongside me, you get to sit at my table, eat from my table, spend time with me. You're going to be rejuvenated because this relationship that we have is so wonderful and dynamic. Have you ever been in love? Anybody here, you ever been in love? You might not still be in love, but you know, at one point. That's okay. You know what it was like. All right? But think back to the time when you were like so in love. There's something about that, that love that's just so like... Um, it, it motivates you, it, it encourages you, it, um, it stirs you up and riles you up and motivates you to do crazy things like drive across the country just to see somebody to blow out a birthday candle, I don't know. It's crazy things, you know. Um, what else? What crazy things did you do when you were in love? You know those are romantic movies. That's where the, we see all the crazy things. You got off the plane. God is love. And it's a greater love than that little love that we've known in our life. Yeah? And when we are motivated by God's love, it can do some crazy things in your life. It can change you. It can transform you to be someone you don't even recognize. Hey? Like God could take you when you're at your worst in life, just in a pit of sin. Yeah? In your darkness and uh, your hopelessness, your despair, your weakness. God could come into that situation and see you just kind of curled up, hidden away and just not knowing what to do with your life. Maybe you've given up all hope and you didn't want life anymore. And in those dark moments of desperation, even when you've given up, God still hears your heart. And he knows your pain. He sees you. And even if you don't know how to pray, I'm sure you've come to a point where you recognize that everything you've trusted, you can't trust anymore. Everything you've hung on to, you're ready to let go because it just doesn't matter anymore. And maybe you're not even looking for anything good anymore. You don't feel that you deserve it. You don't feel that you're worthy. You feel that you can't even go to God because you've shamed him so much. God knows your heart. 
He sees your pain. If my kid came up to me and he did something really bad, maybe even unforgivable, it might be hard for him to say, I'm sorry, you know? It might be hard for him to own up to what he's done. But when I see my kid there crumbled and fearful and freaking out, I'm just a human dad, but I'm going to my son. I pick him up. I hold him. I let him know, listen, whatever was done, it ain't that bad. We could work through this. We're going to have a better day tomorrow. I love that the Bible says his mercies are new every day, every morning. His mercies are new. All right? Let's look at the rest of this prayer here. Give us this day our daily bread. We trust God to provide our every need, to sustain us for life, okay? A daily bread is not just our physical food. It's also what he feeds us spiritually to keep us going, okay? And it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other translations, it's our sins. Okay, and our sins are like this, it's like the sickness that keeps us from living life with God, all right? This is healing. So we have provision and healing, okay? Do you have trouble forgiving other people? Yeah? This is like the last weekend of the year, 2019, the last of the decade, Okay? If there's anything you're still hanging on to that you haven't forgiven somebody for, how's that working out for you? Does it make you angry when you think about it? Does it make you sad? You feel like, I could never forgive that person. You have no idea what they did to me, Tim. I don't know, you know? But you're here today, all right? No matter what they've done to you in the past, why are you still hanging on to it and let it have power over you? You're sitting here today. God woke you up. His mercies are new every morning. How are your mercies? If you're following God and God says, love your neighbor, the people you don't want to forgive, guess what? They're your neighbor. And you won't experience the forgiveness of God until you've allowed yourself to forgive somebody else. You'll only experience God's forgiveness in your life once you've learned what it's like to actually forgive somebody else, to release them. That's healing, you see. You're praying to God for healing. Heal me, God. Heal me, God, but I don't care about those other people. Let them die. Selfish, right? I mean, this is just plain talk. This is just plain language. We're not even really studying the Bible right now, but we're talking about real-life stuff here, okay? If you want to know God's forgiveness, if you feel like God hasn't forgiven you yet, God has forgiven you. You just haven't experienced it yet. If you keep hanging on to hate in your heart towards other people, no wonder you find it difficult to have a relationship with God. Okay? 
You know that thing where it talks about um, when you give, it's going to be returned to you and it's pressed down into your lap and shaken together and it comes back to you stronger? People use that to talk about like blessings from heaven. That verse is talking about judgment. The judgment that you give, it will come back to you, pressed into your lap, shaken up, stirred, and you'll feel it more. Don't judge other people. Forgive them. Okay? That's what the Bible's talking about. That even in the middle of this prayer, Jesus teaches them, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's the assumption that we've already forgiven. We've already let it go. We don't hold anything against anybody. They are free. So as you free other people, you experience freedom. As you allow healing to occur in somebody else's life, you get healed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't pray and ask God because you want to receive something. Because if you want to receive something from God, he's going to say, okay, you give first. Then, then, I, you know, then you'll know what I've given you. Okay? Um, Anybody get a re-gifted gift this year? Probably. You look into your thing, you're like, ah, that's an old box, you know? That's an old model, you know? And, and it's probably been re-gifted. Some of them, they don't even open the gift, you know? Um, I have had some friends that I've given gifts to. I didn't realize that I wronged them, okay? But you know, our relationship got better and eventually I go over to their place and I see in the corner something that I gave them. Still wrapped. This is like two years later. And I'm like, you didn't want to tear into it. I don't know why you're saving it. Like that gift could have done you some good, but you waited too long. And it's just sitting there. I gave the gift. They have it. Are they enjoying it? No. Do they even know what's in it? No. Because I had wronged them, they didn't care to open it. See, there's something about the relationship. When God gives you gifts and you don't care about it, what's that really saying about you? I don't know God's forgiveness yet no, because I didn't care enough. I wanted the forgiveness and he gave me that forgiveness and it's sitting in a box over there. I haven't torn into it yet. I haven't experienced it yet. because I still want God to give me something more. As we enter 2020, do you want more blessings from God? Is this a trick question, Tim? Who here wants more blessings? Yeah? Who wants more blessings? I want more blessings. Like, I'll be honest, I want more blessings. I won't lie. What if I told you, you have all the blessings of heaven poured out over your life already? It's yours to tear into. If, if you received a gift from somebody that you love, <laughs> that's my nine-year-old. If you receive a gift from someone that you love, are you going to let it just sit in a box off to the side? No, you probably you tear into it right away because of the relationship that you have with that person, right? 
And no matter what they gave you, it might not have been what you've desired. Maybe you weren't even thinking about anything, but just the fact that they thought of you and gave you something, it was enough. And you open it, and it's just a small trinket. If somebody else gave you that same trinket, would it mean as much to you as the one that you got from your loved one? No. A wedding band. I gave my wife a wedding band on our wedding day, put it on her finger. It's our wedding band. We share that together. If some other dude came along and gave my wife that same ring, she's my wife. What does that ring mean to her if it comes from somebody else? If you're looking for joy and peace in your life, okay, if you're looking for joy and peace in your life, and you're going to God and you're asking for it, but you're looking for that joy and peace from somewhere else, you're in trouble. Like, just stop and think about it. These are such small, simple things, okay? And we're talking about our relationship with God here, talking to God in prayer. What's the next? At the end of the prayer, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The temptation to look for things other places the temptation to look for satisfaction in this world. Don't lead us there, God. Is God going to tempt you? No, God doesn't tempt you. Lead us not into temptation. But God does allow you to go through things. He does allow you to see things. Do you remember the story of Job in the Bible? He loved God. He wanted to stay devout to God. And God allowed him to experience things, testing and trial. God allowed the enemy to test and try Job because Job was a faithful man. But he was not allowed to take his life. He was not allowed to touch the invisible soul. He took his health. He took his family. He took his job, his livelihood, everything was gone. Job. Did he complain? Probably. If you were in pain, you complain a little bit, right? Was he blaming God? His wife was saying, blame God. He is the one doing this to you. Just walk away from God and maybe some of this will go away. How many of you felt that life was better before you came to know Jesus? Maybe not better, but easier. Because when you came and you accepted Jesus, all of a sudden life just turned upside down. God started leading you places you did not want to go. You're like, I didn't sign up for this, God. But do you trust where God's leading you? He might lead you away from the evil things in life. Are you okay to follow where God's leading you? 
See this at the end of the prayer. Let's stop and think about this real quick. Let's go through this prayer real quick again. Go back a couple slides from the beginning. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a declaration. Our Father above this world, from up here, not of this world, hallowed be your name. You declare a name when you call out to him. Your kingdom come, rule and reign over my heart. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right at the core of our being. Everything that we need, God will provide our every need. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And in this area, we release things, we let things go. Everything that clogs us up on the inside is eliminated from our life. Healing comes when we let go of all the things that could make you sick. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's where God leads us, wherever we walk. So from the top down, God's got you covered from head to foot. He's saying, listen, when you pray this prayer, this model of prayer, you're acknowledging everything of God coming from heaven, his rule, his reign over your entire being, and it moves you to action, and it goes where God leads you, you see. So everything in the middle of this prayer, God is working everything out on the inside of you. But first, some, some light comes over your darkness, our Father from heaven. Hallowed be your name. You declare him as Lord. Jesus is Lord of your life. You declare it first before any changes can take place. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You are Lord of my life. You are king. You are savior, ruler over my life. I'm relying on you for everything, right? At the core of my being, with all that I am, you're meeting my every need. Because I have everything that I need, I could let go of everything else that doesn't belong. And now that you have worked this good work within me, God, I'm ready to go wherever you're leading me. Is that an easier, more beautiful way to remember this prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As we pray this prayer, we're not saying, God, come down alongside me. We're not saying, God, I'm starting this new business. I want you to bless it so it will be successful. I want you to give me what I need for my business because we're going to be the biggest business in the world. God's like, what is your business? That's nothing. Like, really? Are you going to use it for God's glory or are you just using it for your own glory to make a name for yourself? But I'm helping people become rich. Do you think those people could take those riches with them to heaven? No. When you pray, you're coming alongside God. Let's do an exercise together real quick. All right, let's all stand right where you are. Let's just do a declaration together very quickly. We're just going to read it straight off the board, okay? It says, 
There is no one like God. He is holy. God reigns supreme. His will be done. God provides. God heals. God saves. So once again, let's do it with hand motions. I know we're like we're not in kindergarten. All right, but I, do, I am a homeschooling dad, okay? So that's what we do, all right? Let, let's do it together just with at least one hand, all right? So it goes, there is no one like God, he is holy. God reigns supreme, his will be done. God provides, God heals, God saves. Do you feel a little blood coming to your body? Let's do it with our other hand. We have to balance it, you know? Okay, here we go. There is no one like God. He is holy. God reigns supreme. His will be done. God provides. God heals. God saves. Do you feel more balanced? Yes, cool. So in our physical being, all right, remember... God leads us and in our invisible inner life. But what good is that invisible inner life if we're not living it out in this world, in this body that he gave us? God will lead you and guide you in all your ways when you acknowledge him. Seek first the kingdom of God and what God wants, and everything you need God has given you. All the things you're seeking for from this world, the world cannot provide. Okay, not in the way that God provides. Because what God has given you, it's the best and it's all that you'll ever need. Amen? God bless you. God keep you. I'm looking forward to a really good 2020. And I hope that we get to continue journeying, journeying together, friends. Let us keep each other in prayer. That God provides our every need. That God heals us in our relationships. And that God will continue to lead us as his church, as his body. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.